The following audio is for Emmanuel Baptist Church. More information about Emmanuel is available at our website, www.myemmanuel.net. you this morning we realize that there is power in your name that you are the one that spoke the world into creation and Lord it was through your name that the lame was healed the blind were given sight the dead was raised and Lord you conquered death for our sins and Lord you say in John 15 that you are the vine and we are the branches if we remain in you we will bear much fruit And Lord, that is our desire, to bear much fruit, to be a witness to the world, to be changed by you, because we know that even the hardest of hearts can be changed by the power of your name. Lord, what a beautiful name it is, and it's in that name that we say, amen. Amen. Well, it's great to worship with you this morning. We're excited about Vacation Bible School if you're new to Emmanuel, uh, we want you to know that caring for and teaching and loving children is one of our core values. Uh, some of you have heard these statistics before, but 90% out of everybody who ever gives their life to the Lord does so before their 18th birthday. 75% of everybody who ever gives their life to the Lord does so before their 14th birthday. So that's an important thing for us. Now, does it mean that God can't save you when you're old? How many of you... Uh, came to the Lord after your 18th birthday. Can I see your hand? Praise to God for those of you who came to the Lord later. But even you, your own testimony would be, man, I wish I'd come to the Lord earlier before I made some mistakes and I did some of those things. And that's why we care about children. So in that vein this morning, I'm going to preach a very specific sermon. It's not a normal Sunday morning service uh, in that sense. I'm not going to be talking specifically about the cross and Christ and the gospel. But one of the things that I realize is there are so many Christians who come to Christ. They ask for the forgiveness of sins. They know they're going to heaven when they die. But between here and heaven, they just live like everybody else on the planet. And God has given us biblical principles that we might live what he called an abundant life. Jesus said, I came that you might have life. He was talking about eternal life. But I also came that you might live this life right here on earth abundantly. We are supposed to know the joy of the Lord. We're supposed to know the strength of the Lord. And there are biblical principles that are given to us. So, I've kind of put three sermons together here. If you've missed the last two, let me just quickly summarize them. Two weeks ago, we talked about the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to be saved? And, and Jesus had to help him understand his own sinful heart. First of all, he said, well, there's none good but God, because he thought he was good. And then he said, tell me how you're doing with the commandments. And he goes, oh, I've kept them all. So he still didn't get that he was a sinner. And so Jesus said, let me see if I can show you the sin in your life. He said, go and sell all that you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And then he realized how selfish he was because he, he wouldn't do that. And so we, we talked about that two weeks ago, and we talked about the fact that, that it's easier, remember Jesus said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get to heaven. And uh, I told you two weeks ago that you're rich. 
If your household income, that's it's everybody that lives in your house. If your household income is more than $34,000 a year, you're in the top 1% richest people in the world. Uh, we always uh, forget that in America because our neighbor has a new boat and he's got some new motorcycles and he's got some new four-wheelers and we're not billionaires and we compare ourselves to Hollywood types and super rich people and we forget that we are in the top 1%. So we talked about that two weeks ago. Last week, we looked at five biblical principles about money. And then this week, VBS, children, a very specific sermon. It's not the kind of thing I do very often, but I want to teach you five biblical principles about money that you should teach your children. And so this morning, we're going to talk about parenting. The scripture says uh, in uh, Proverbs 22, that's where I'm going to be this morning if you want to join me. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and even when he's old, he will not depart from it. So, so when we talk about training our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord, biblically speaking, it means more than just talking about sin and forgiveness. It certainly does. We should talk to our children about the cross and Jesus and why he went to the cross and, and how he paid for our sins and how we can't pay for our own sins and what that means. It, it includes all of that. But training our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord also means that we should talk to our kids about some other stuff, biblical concept stuff, that might derail them. Let me just let you maybe have some motivation for having these kinds of conversations with your kids. Uh, In America today, Dave Ramsey says the number one cause for divorce is money-related matters. You want your kids to have a great marriage? You want them to stay married and not be divorced? Then you should talk to your kids about money because money's the, according to Dave Ramsey, the number one cause for divorce. Today in America, 18 to 25-year-olds carry more debt than they ever have before. It's in the billions by by totality of America. More debt than they ever have before, and primarily that debt is in student loans. There there are kids in that 24, 25-year-old bracket that have 100,000, 200,000, $300,000 of student loan debt. Back in the day when I went to school, you could get student loan to pay for your tuition, but now you can get student loan that will pay your rent, your food, your car, all your needs while you're in school. And you don't have to pay it until you get out of school. That's why so many kids go to graduate school. Because they don't have to pay it yet. They just stay in school and they get more and more and more debt. The average debt for a 25-year-old in America is somewhere between sixty-two dollars and $82,000. So last year, for the first time in American history, for the first time in American history, after college graduation, more kids moved back home, not than ever before, more kids moved back home than didn't. It reached the tipping point. Now, what's the only reason you would ever move back in your parents' house? Money. So I'm trying to motivate parents. Do you want your kids moving back in with you? 
So you want to listen to this sermon, right? You want to think about exactly what is the information, godly biblical wisdom that you need to give your children. Of course you need to talk about the cross of Christ. Of course you need to talk about grace and mercy and forgiveness. But you also need to talk about money. And so this morning, I want to give you five principles. Now, this sermon presupposes some things. If you're going to teach your children about money, it presupposes that your, your children have some money to learn with. Because this isn't hypothetical. This isn't textbook stuff. They've got to have some so that you can teach them what they should actually do with it. So this part that I'm about to share, I want to be really careful to say this part. This part that I'm about to share is my opinion. We're going to get into the word. The rest is going to be God's opinion. That's the one that matters. But I'm a proponent of the allowance. I'm a big proponent of giving kids an allowance so that they can have some money while they're under your coaching and mentorship and tutorship that they can learn with it. Now, there's two kinds of allowance, primarily among parents. There's an allowance that you just give kids because it's an allowance. And then there's an allowance that's connected to some tasks, chores, or responsibilities. I'm in favor of the latter. I, I, like, I like it being connected to some chores that they do so that not only are you learning about money and the value of money, but work ethic as well. And I like connecting it to those things. You can do it very simply. You can get a chart. Now, if they're little, you just maybe have four chores, and they're pretty simple. Like, if you see, make the bed. That might just mean getting the bedspread over the pillow. That might mean all you do if they're little to start with. But, you know, just some little chores. As they get older, they get more chores, and you expect more excellence as they get older. And so I also believe the allowance should be more as they get older so that you can kind of do those things together, all right? So if they have that, then the things that I'm going to talk about this morning, it really kind of presupposes that they have it. So let me do this last little bit too because I think this will help you kind of know the paradigm that I'm talking through. So what I uh, prefer, what I suggest to parents is, so if you've got little guys, if they're first grade or second grade, you're going to give them less money, and they don't know the value of money. And so the, the younger they are, you want to give them that allowance so that it looks like it's the greatest volume possible. So let's just say, let's say you got a guy and you're going to give him $2 a week, all right? And I like, I like as a parent to give them the allowance on Saturday at the end of the week. You got to do it every week. Once a month, it's too far. They can't remember what chores they didn't do or didn't do. So end of the week, Saturday's good because the next day Sunday, and we're going to talk about tithing, teaching your kids that. So what I would do is I would make sure that I had, if it was $2 allowance, I'd make sure that I had 40 nickels. You want it to look big. And I'd give it to them. I'd say, here's your allowance. And I would give it to them like poker chips. I'd go, here's your allowance. And if they're little, they're going to go like, and if they're little enough, like a nickel's worth more than a dime because it's bigger. I mean, they're going to be like, wow. And you give it all to them and you go, yeah. And then you get the chart off the refrigerator, you know, check mark, made the bed, brushed my teeth, took out the trash, whatever, there's, whatever their stuff is. And then you go, okay, on Monday you didn't make the bed. And then you reach across the kitchen table and you take a nickel back. Now don't just like give them the net because then they won't get it. Take it back. Watch them go. 
And then on Tuesday, you didn't take out the trash. Take it back. And you didn't do this. And you start taking nickels back. It is worse for a kid than paying taxes. They'll be like, what? So, so you, if they're little, it's nickels. Maybe they're older, it's quarters. Maybe even older. And uh, I'm a proponent that as kids get older, they get in that 15, 16, 17. They're getting close. It's just a few years to college and they're gone. You want to be teaching responsibility with money. So I even believe give them a significant allowance and maybe even tell them, you got to buy your own clothes. If they're driving a car, maybe you say, you're responsible for one tank of gas a month or depending on how much they drive a week. But if you give them more allowance, then that does two things. One is they feel really good about themselves because like, they love knowing they get way more allowance than their peers. That makes them feel good. But you're teaching them how to do that. Now, before I teach all of this, this is all, the, the sermon's short. The, sh- the sermon's really short, just the introduction that's long. Um, so here's your job as a parent. I don't know if you've ever thought it through. Your job as a parent is to be the voice of God in your child's life until such a time that they are old enough and spiritually mature enough that they can hear the voice of God on their own. That's your job. Your job is to make sure they know the voice of God in their lives, to be obedient to that voice, until such a time that they are spiritually mature enough that they can hear the voice of God, not just once, but on a regular basis. That's your job. So it's certainly true of grace and mercy and forgiveness, but it's also true of money as well. So you have to teach them. And, and if you don't teach them, when they go out, go to college, they're out of the door, 18, off to the military, wherever they're going to go, they're going to make some terrible mistakes. Maybe mistakes that you've made. Maybe mistakes that you're still trying to pay off. So do this work for them. Here's the sermon. It's really easy. We're mostly going to be in Proverbs 22. Five things you should teach your children. Number one, you should teach your children to tithe. Malachi chapter 2, Jesus says, Test me in this, try me, and see if I won't open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on you too great to receive. Why do we teach our children to tithe? Because we're teaching our children that God owns it all. God owns it all. Even if you give them allowance, it's from God. It's just through you. It's God that works in their lives, and you want to teach them that. Now, last week when we talked about uh, principles for you, I I already taught tithing, so I'm not going to reteach it. I'm only going to say this. If you understand with me, and you're thinking with me, yeah, I really should teach my children to tithe. What an incredible hypocrisy it would be. You know where I'm going, don't you? It's almost unfathomable that you would believe God's word, believe that you should teach your children to tithe, and you not tithe. Did you know most of the things that you teach your kids are caught, not taught? Do you ever ever hear your kids say that word? And then you thought, where did they hear that? And then all of a sudden you thought, oh. Or maybe your wife said, it's from you. And it sounded different when it came out of their mouth. Most of what kids learn is caught, not taught. So if you 
are demonstrating this in your own life, if your kids see you read your Bible, if your kids see you pray, if your kids see you write your tithe check, then they're going to come to believe that's normal Christian life. And maybe it's why Malachi chapter 2 says, God says, test me in this. He knows the propensity of our heart. We don't want to give it up. We want to hold on to it. I had godly parents. I had wonderful godly parents. My first tithe was a nickel. I got 50 cents a week in allowance, and my parents taught me to tithe it and put a nickel of it in the offering. It's pretty easy to put a nickel in the offering. Pretty soon, I was putting a dime in the offering and then a quarter in the offering. And on the way up through the years... It was easy for me to tithe. In fact, as God has worked in my life, last week I talked about sowing bountifully. I've given much more than the tithe because I tested God. And you know what I found? He will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing too great for you to receive. I, I live at a standard of living much higher than what you pay me. Because God blesses a cheerful giver. He loves it when we can trust him to take all of that and realize it comes from God. And you can do that with children. Some of you never tithe. And honestly, if you were to tithe this morning, your check could be $1,000. Your tithe check could be $1,000. And you would start to have an anxiety attack. If you got your check out in your pen and you'd be, breathe, breathe. And then finally you just go, I'm just going to put one zero on the $10. Okay, here you go, God. You'd feel good about that. But if you raised your children so that their tithe was a nickel and a dime and a quarter and a buck, they tithe all their lives and they would experience the blessing of God all their lives and never have the anxiety uh, attack that you might have otherwise. So train them that God owns it all and this is how we acknowledge that God owns it all. Number two, you should teach your children to share. Uh, A while ago, I read uh, verse 6 in Proverbs 22. Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he's old, he'll not depart from it. Verse 9 says, And whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. Sharing is an important thing to teach our children. When we teach our children to share, it strikes right at the heart of selfishness. And selfishness is a problem that we all have to get over, even our children, even your grandchildren. And some of you are thinking this morning, well, let me say this. Some of you are thinking, uh, my kids are already gone. What do I do? You can take these same principles with your grandchildren, with a niece or a nephew. You, fi- you can find someone in your life to use these principles with. Let's talk about sharing. When you don't give your kids an allowance, uh, your kids will be happy to share your money. Have you noticed that? Hey, Dad, you should give him some money. Your kid doesn't mind sharing your money. So if you give him an allowance, then it's his money to share, and he will probably have a different attitude about it. Uh, one of my grandchildren, which will remain unnamed, his mother told him that he was going to have a play date with a certain friend that was going to come over and play with him, and he knew that friend, so he went and hid all of his toys before he came over to play. It's hard to share sometimes, isn't it? One of the reasons we don't share is we actually don't see the need. We're so narcissistic, we're so selfish, we don't even see that there are others in need around us. Jesus says, look at the fields, they're white unto harvest, people need Jesus. There's somebody on your block, they need help cleaning out their rain gutters. Somebody needs help mowing their yard. 
And you can probably see somebody needs help spraying weeds. You can just drive by the yard and see that. If you can learn to see it, then as a family, you can learn to say, we're going to give of our time, our toil, our sweat, our expertise, and our money. And teaching kids to learn to share is really important. So number one, teach them to learn to tithe. Number two, teach them to learn to share. Number three, teach your children to save. Uh, Look back in Proverbs 21, find verse 20. It says, precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's house or his dwelling. But a foolish man doesn't have any because he's devoured it all. You should teach your children to save. Now, it shouldn't take your kids very long to recognize that however much money you give them in uh, weekly allowance isn't going to be enough to purchase everything that they want to purchase. Now, as long as they're young and it's just candy, they will get it. They will, as soon as they get the money, they'll say to you, I want to go to the store, I want to go to the store, and then they'll buy all the candy and it'll be gone. But as they get a little older, they're going to want some other things. They're going to want a video game. They're going to want this or that. And they're going to recognize they don't have enough. So the first thing you're going to say is... Uh, Mom, Dad, I have $5. Will you pay the other $45? And so this is why you teach them to save. You say, no, you can save it so that if you save your money, you can do more things with your money than if you just spent it every week. And you want to begin to teach saving. Uh, millennials, which are the youngest generation that we've been able to track financially, millennials, 71% of them have less than $1,000 saved, and 31% of them have nothing saved at all. The average American spends 120% of what he makes every year. Do the math. That means in five years, the average American owes in debt one year's annual salary compared to the Japanese who save 7% of their annual salary. So in America, we have this problem. We don't save. We all get a credit card, and because we have a credit card, we think we can have what we want right now instead of saving for it. And that that desire to be uh, instantly gratified with the credit card is incredibly dangerous. Uh, several years ago, a young woman in the church uh, called me for an appointment. She wanted to talk to me about financial things. And as she came, we started talking, and she was telling me, well, she had this financial problem, and we started talking about that. And then she started telling me about another financial problem. So then I said, okay, no, wait, stop. I said, I need, to see the, I need to know the whole financial picture. And so when I said the whole financial picture, she began to talk about her debt. And then I, and then I stopped her again, and I said, how many credit cards do you have? And she said, I have 23 visas. And what she had learned to do was when she got one visa maxed out, she would apply for and get another visa, and then she would use the money on that visa, an ATM or something, to pay money on the first visa. Or she would get in the mail a a visa company that said, we'll pay off your other visa and give you 0% interest for a year. So she'd grab that one, and now she had... 23, and she could no longer juggle the debt. She couldn't even make the minimum payments on them. She's about 25 years old. She never learned to force herself to wait and save 
and not buy it immediately because she wanted it. Uh, let me go back to kids and uh, allowance. So here's what I did with my kids. Uh, my kids and their allowance, uh, there were three things that I required of them in the allowance. Uh, number one, that they tithe 10%. They could give more than they wanted, but they had to tithe 10%. Number two, they had to save 10%. They had to save 10% of their allowance, and uh, I had veto power over their savings. If they wanted to spend their savings, they had to come to me and make a case that this was a good use of their savings. And then uh, the third thing they had to do was put 10% into a college fund, which uh, they never saw again because I paid for all their college anyway. But, so I got that back. So, uh, so uh, that's what we did. So uh, we begin to teach them the value of that because the average American messes up, don't they? They just assume the hot water heater is never going to go out. They have a budget and they go, well, I would have made my budget if the hot water heater didn't go out. I would have made my budget if the transmission didn't go out. I would have made this, but this happened. Well, the reason that we save is because the scripture says it rains on the just and the unjust alike. Not every time your transmission goes out, it's a spiritual thing. Sometimes it just goes out. We mostly go, oh, God's getting me for what I did. No. The idea is that you would save so that you can be self-sufficient and independent for moments like that. And you've got to teach that to your children. Number four, teach your children about borrowing. Teach your children about borrowing. Still in Proverbs 22... You know what verse 6 is, train up a child in the way he should go, even when he's old he won't depart from it. Look at verse 7, the context of this. The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. And so you've got to teach your kids about this. Now, let me tell you something. If you have more than one kid in your family, you're going to discover that they're completely different when it comes to money. You'll have one of them, man, that money burns a hole in their pocket. They get their allowance. It is gone. You'll have another one who starts to get this, and you might even figure out later that that kid has lent money to the other at 6% interest. <laughs> the, the, each kid's going to be different. You're going to have to work with them. One kid will be quick to share, and they'll give it all away, even for wonderful causes. They'll be like, they'll come back from VBS, and they gave their whole stuff away. The other one, I, you know, I gave a nickel. Okay, you know, so, so they're all going to be different. But borrowing is something you've got to teach kids. I already told you how much kids can get so quickly with credit card and student loans. And so you got to teach them about compounding interest and what that looks like. Uh, I had a little game that I played with my kids. And uh, what we would do is when we drive around, uh, I'd ask them, is that an item? Is that an object that appreciates in value? Or is that something that depreciates in value? Because if you borrow money, to buy something that depreciates in value, you can actually get to the place where you owe more for the object than what the object is worth. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but how many of you, I just described your car. See, that's, that's a bad deal. How are kids going to know that? Honestly, they're gonna, are they going to learn that on Power Rangers? I don't even know what kids watch these days. I, I'm sure I just dated myself. But you're so old, you didn't know either. So, 
So what, how are they going to learn that if you don't teach them? So, teach them to tithe. Teach them to share. Teach them to save. Teach them about borrowing. And then lastly this morning, teach your children about investing. Now, one of the, one of a, a little fun game to do as a family um, and again, as a parent, I encourage you, this is an investment for you. You should do this. Give your kids all uh, 10 bucks and tell them that they can all invest in uh, 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 Wall Street, stock exchange, and, but you just do it at home. And they get to pick, everybody gets to pick what they want to invest in. This one will be Exxon, and that one will be Apple, and this one will be Microsoft. And, and they all do it. And then you follow it for a couple of months and let them see how investment works. And then you pay them off and see who the winner is at the end of the month. That's a fun thing to learn. But when I'm talking about teaching your kids about investing, I'm not just talking about the accrual of interest or dividends. I'm talking about things that have real value. Jesus says that we should invest where moth and rust does not destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. And so the test of value is eternity. What do we learn from Proverbs 22? Look back in verses 1 and 2. A good name is better than a lot of money. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. And favor, he's talking about the favor of the Lord. And favor is better than silver or gold. The rich and the poor meet together. What does that mean? That they meet together at Starbucks for coffee? No. It means that the rich and the poor are equal. And the next phrase says, and the Lord is the maker of them all. So lesson number one in investment is that people are worth more than money. It's an important concept. If we don't watch out, you can teach your kids about money, and all you did was teach your kids how to be selfish and hoard. But you've got to teach them that people are more important than money. And that the rich and the poor have the same value to God. God sees us as equal at the foot of the cross. It's important for them to know that their integrity, their reputation, a good name, the favor of the Lord is more important than a dirty deal that will make you money. These are things that you should teach your children. It's a part of the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Teach them real value. By the way, I just picked Proverbs 22 because it has so much of this. Uh, What I did for years and years, uh, particularly as a young man, is I read a proverb uh, every day. There are 31 uh, chapters in Proverbs. Some months have 31 days. So I would read one chapter every day because as a young man, I wanted wisdom. And it's full of wisdom, including financial wisdom, which is a part of what we're supposed to do as, as parents. You know what many theologians have said about Christianity? Christianity is always one generation away from extinction. All it takes is for one generation not to teach their children the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. It's why Deuteronomy 6, 7, and 8 says, you should teach your children these things when you get up in the morning and when you lie down at night and when you sit down to eat and when you walk along the way. And you should take it and you should write it and print it and put it on the doorposts of your house. And you should talk about it all the time because these are things that you have to say to kids. And How many times do you have to say something to a kid? Once? Twice? 
Ten times a hundred? You've got to say it and say it and say it, and it's mostly caught and not taught. Yes, you should teach them about Jesus. You should teach them about love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. But inside the realm of biblical wisdom, we should also teach our children about money as well. I want to ask for every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. This morning I didn't talk about the gospel exactly, but really these are, this is the fruit of the gospel. That parents, your, your, your greatest treasure from God is your children. Why would you not teach this to your children? You don't leave your children to learn not to play in the street. You teach them some things for their safety. You teach them for their prosperity. And why not do this as well? Now, the first step is really clear. If you look at this list, and of these five things, you're not doing one of them, or two of them, or three of them, well, then you've got to do these things in your own life so that you could teach them to your children. But I'll bet many of you this morning, you already know that there's a person in your life. Maybe it's not your son or daughter. Maybe it's a nephew or a niece. Maybe it's a grandson or a granddaughter. Maybe it's a kid in the neighborhood that comes over to your house some. But there's already somebody in your life that you should mentor. Maybe the one that you should mentor is in that 18 to 25-year-old group. And they're just about to finish college. And their parents never taught them anything about money. And you work with them. You know them. But how many of you, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, how many of you already know the person that you should begin to talk to about biblical principles. You just raise your hand and say, I already know who I should talk to. I already know who I should mentor. Hands all over the room. And my prayer for you who couldn't raise your hand is that God will bring this person into your life. Somebody that you can invest in because people are worth more than money. You should find somebody that you can pour your life into. Be their coach. Be their mentor. Be that godly advisor that they need. Father, we thank you for your word, for the power of your word, for the relevance of your word. Father, here we have biblical concepts that are financial concepts. And we know that you desire for us to live an abundant life. So we pray that we would align ourselves with your blessing. We pray that we would put ourselves in the place where you can open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing on us that's too big to receive. And we pray that we would train our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. Do this for us, for we pray it in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. I'm going to go ahead and move us towards the benediction. I know you can do two things at once as you give and listen. In Matthew chapter 18, there's a famous passage. Here's what it says in verses 3 and 4. These are the words of Jesus. Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. The word turn there means you're going the wrong way. You need to turn and go the right way. It's also translated repent in many places in the Bible. As here the Bible says that you and I, sophisticated adults, need to turn and become like children. We need to humble ourselves. We need to be coachable. We need to be able to be mentored like children. The next verse says, Whoever humbles himself like a child is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Maybe this instruction this morning has been a little stinging to you. Maybe there's some things on this list that 
You're like, I, I, I don't like the sound of that. I don't like pastor talking about my money. So the scripture here, the admonition is that you and I should be humble. That we should hear the voice of God. I want to say to you today, if, if it's been stinging, go to God and ask him. Go to his word and say, what does your word say about this money thing? And see if you don't hear from him. And see if you shouldn't respond to him like a child. This week, we're going to focus on children. I hope you'll take that little prayer bookmark and you'll remember us for five days as we just devote this whole facility to boys and girls. Two kinds of prayers you can pray. Many of them will hear the gospel for the very first time. Some of them, their parents don't go to church at all. They just use us for uh, child care. And we're okay with that because we're going to talk about Jesus all week. And some of those boys and girls are going to give their life to Christ. So pray for us this week as we pour ourselves in, invest in these young lives. God bless you. Go in peace. See you next Sunday. for listening to audio from Emmanuel Baptist Church located in Billings, Montana. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. For more information about Emmanuel, please visit us online at www.myemmanuel.net.